Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn in them to the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 1. It was read earlier, but we are going to read it again Romans 8.1 is a fairly popular verse within the church, and it's, it's a favorite of many. It says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can kind of get the sense why it's a favorite for so many people. I mean, this statement of there being no condemnation, that brings relief to my heart and to my soul, and hopefully yours. I mean, I love this verse. We're going to spend some time unpacking this verse today, and as we do, we will see that there is no more condemnation upon us because of Christ's perfect work for us. But what is condemnation? What does this mean to be condemned? I mean, we might understand this in terms of buildings. Maybe there's a a building that's not up to code. Uh, It's ready to be demolished. It's not fit for any good use anymore. It is to be condemned. Sure, we may understand that, but with regards to our own relationship with God, in a biblical sense, condemnation, it refers to there being a strong disapproval, there being blame, or sentencing for the punishment because of guilt. And that's the phrase that I want us to to key in on for a second, guilt. The Bible says that all of us have sinned, we've fallen short of God's glory, that we are actually guilty before a holy, perfect, and just God. That because of our sin, we deserve to be condemned. We deserve to experience eternal punishment and separation from God. So we deserve condemnation, but then Romans 8.1 says there's now no condemnation. We're going to look at how that works in just a second, but for now, I want to look at the second half of Romans 8.1 where it says, for those in Christ Jesus. There's a pretty clear distinction here. Okay? Not everyone can just claim, no condemnation, no more condemnation. It says for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means those who have been united to Jesus through faith in him, his life, his death, and resurrection. Now that sounds pretty exclusive. It doesn't really sound too loving. And it would be exclusive, and it would be unloving, except for the fact that the invitation to trust in Christ is totally inclusive. If you are familiar with John 3.16, it's one of the most popular verses in the Bible. We're also going to look at uh, John 3.17 and 18. Let me just read these for you. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes, whoever believes, in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So salvation, forgiveness, freedom from sin, a fresh start, pardon, all of these benefits are available in Christ, but each person individually has to receive this gift of God. And it is only those who believe in and receive Jesus who are in Christ. John 3 says, For those who do not, condemnation remains. But for Christians, 
there's no more condemnation. Now we're going to say, how though exactly does this work? What are the mechanics behind this? How is it that even though we're sinful, even though we're guilty before a holy God, even though we deserve condemnation, we deserve to be punished, that we can stand here and we can claim no more condemnation? We're going to look at two reasons. The first reason is that why there's no more condemnation is because Christ died for us. Because Christ died for us. So as, as I mentioned before, we're the sinners. We're the ones who are guilty because of our disobedience, because of our rebellion. But because of God's great grace, love, and mercy, he sent his only son to save us, to die for us. Romans 5, verse 6 and verse 8. It says, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And then verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus left heaven and came forward and he lived this perfect life and he went forward in our place and offered himself up as a sacrifice to be condemned, to suffer and die on the cross. It should have been us. Should have been you. Should have been me, but it was him. It was him. He died for us. Now, today, Thanksgiving weekend, and it's important. It's important to take time at Thanksgiving. It's good to do this, to to recount the blessings of God and and sing about his goodness and and actually say, wow, how has God been good to us? Let's take time and and be thankful. And I think as a church, it's important to do that. So I'm going to just remind us of a couple of things that have happened in this last year that we can be thankful for. I mean, the uncharacteristic generosity of our people. We are in such a strong financial position. Uh, The renovations that have happened in the gathering place, the kitchenette, the office, admin area, all those things. Uh, We've had fruitful and and successful marriage and parenting conferences. We had a record number of kids attend our Surge Summer Camp. We have numerous small groups and new small groups all over the city and the county helping to make disciples. We've needed to launch a second service to make more space for more people to hear about Jesus. And we had 16 people go public with their faith through water baptism, say, I believe in Jesus and I belong to Jesus. And if we zoom in even further, individually, I don't know everything that's gone on in everybody's life in the last year, but I'm sure we can take time and say, yeah, there's things to be thankful for. Maybe you have a bed. You could be thankful for that. Maybe you open, uh, you, you turn the tap and clean, drinkable water comes out. You have clothing options. I'm thankful you're wearing clothes. You're thankful I'm wearing clothes, Okay. We have education options. We have food options. And regardless of the current political climate and the upcoming election and all that kind of stuff, however it goes, that's God's business ultimately. The reality is we live in a pretty good country. We have much to be thankful for. But the absolute biggest thing that we could be thankful for is the salvation purchased for us by Jesus Christ. I mean, you think about this. It's no coincidence that we celebrated communion on Thanksgiving. Right? We're intentionally trying to help us remember and understand what's most important. That there's freedom from sin. That there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. That he died for us. So the reality of, of Romans 8.1 helps us. Even if you're here and you've had a rough morning already, 
Even though it's the first service, just say, I've had a rough morning. I've had a rough week. I've had a rough month. I've had a rough year. Even if it's been really hard, really rough, you can, because of Romans 8.1, have cause for joy and thanksgiving. Because even though circumstances may be really hard, really tough, ultimately, you have salvation from your sins. You have forgiveness, eternal life, a restored relationship with God. You've joined his forever family, and you have the Holy Spirit of God working in and through you as you follow Jesus Christ. So thanks be to God today and this weekend. And now the second reason that there's no more condemnation, it's one that we, we don't talk about maybe as often, or maybe we don't even understand as fully. Why there's no more condemnation is because Christ obeyed for us. Christ obeyed for us. I'm going to look at Romans chapter 5, verse 12 to 19. I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to read a good chunk of it and give some, some comments in there. I'm going to start at verse 12 of Romans 5. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, referencing Adam in the garden, and death through sin, because the wages of sin is death, so death spread to all men because all sinned. And then if you jump down to verse 16, And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of the one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to the justification in life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. There's a lot going on in those verses. It can be a bit confusing, but try to think of Adam and Jesus as contrasting legal representatives on our behalf. Uh, pastor and author Jerry Bridges provides some helpful insight into this passage. It says, Because of Adam's representative capacity, his sin in the garden was as truly our sin as if it had been committed by each one of us. It's similar to the concept of power of attorney. If you named me power of attorney and you wanted to uh, refinance your house to take advantage of lower interest rates, but you realize you'd be out of the country on the closing date and the bank demanded that you'd be there in person to sign the documents, because I've been named as power of attorney, I could go to the bank and sign those documents and it would be as if you had signed them yourself. So in the same way, Adam was our legal representative in the Garden of Eden. And when he sinned, his action was binding on us just as if we had sinned personally. You might say, well, that's not fair. Well, just think about the last week. You probably had your own sin anyways. So don't just blame Adam. Okay? But it is, it is kind of depressing when you think about this, um, this sin being binding on us and bringing us into this lost and sinful and rebellious state before God. But there's good news, as verse 19 says. For as the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So Adam failed, but Jesus came as a new and better Adam, a new and better representative. 
He's the only human to ever live a perfect life, totally sinless, completely obedient to God, and meet the righteous requirements of the law. And so now, all of us, we can move from having Adam as our representative, being in Adam, to being in Christ by faith in his perfect life, sacrificial death, and victorious resurrection. And when someone moves to being in Christ, they are totally forgiven. As we watched that video, this idea that the record of their wrongs have been wiped away, washed clean, because Christ paid for those wrongs by his death on the cross, which is amazing. But not only do you receive forgiveness, not only are your sins washed away, but Christ's righteous performance, his perfect obedience is imputed to us transferred to our account. It's like we had a billion dollars in debt and then Jesus came and died for us and we believe that that debt is taken away but now we're up to zero. We don't have debt anymore but, but there's zero. There's nothing positive in the account. But this is why Jesus is so amazing because he gives us his perfect obedience into our account. So we went from being a billion dollars in debt to now having a billion dollars into the bank. That's why there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. Because by faith, you have the perfect righteousness of Jesus himself in your account. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake, he made him who, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, who are we to receive that? The righteousness of God. So now imagine God up in the, uh, the heavenly archives and he grabs your file, opens up the filing cabinet, grabs your file, your name on it. And he's going to look inside to see what's in there. And now you're all nervous because you know what's in your file. But if you have trusted in Christ, do you know what he sees when he opens up that file? He sees Christ's perfect obedience and therefore has no condemnation towards you. Instead, he looks at you with love and joy and acceptance because you're his son or his daughter. That's the truth. That's what Scripture teaches, and that truth is massively important for us to grasp. Why? Why? Because, man, we just yeah, get so much condemnation in our own hearts and minds. We face it from other people. As Pastor Garth read, that letter just ripping into each other. Our own thoughts condemn us. Satan attacks us with thoughts of condemnation, reminds us of our failure and of, of our guilt. 1 John 3.20 says that our own hearts condemn us before God. But the second half of the verse says, but God is greater than our hearts. And so when we have these thoughts of condemnation, this, this reminder, these attacks, these temptations of failure, guilt, all, all the shame and everything, we're called to look to God. Look to the truth of Romans 8.1 and the rest of Scripture. Look to the truth. Wait a minute. Beyond the circumstances, beyond this thought, beyond this emotion, what's the reality? That there's no more condemnation. Now this truth contained in Romans 8.1 also helps us fight against what I like to call the roller coaster ride of performance-based acceptance with God. What is this? What am I talking about? Well, if you're anything like me, you've either grown up doing this or you struggle with doing this right now. We have these good days and bad days, and we think if we have a good day, 
Uh, we wake up, we read our Bible, we pray, we say no to temptation. We, we're very kind. Maybe even we tell someone about Jesus that we can go to bed at the end of the day and be like, nice, God's happy with me. He's given me an A plus today. It's a good day. He loves me. He accepts me. Awesome. But then what happens when we have a bad day? Maybe we sleep through our alarm like, oh no, I didn't read my Bible. Oh, I, I snapped at my wife or my kids before I left the house. I gossiped about my boss behind his back. I, I posted something that was inappropriate or absolutely horrible online. Whatever it is, I didn't say no to temptation. And all of a sudden, I come home and I go, wow, what a bad day. That's an F on today. God must hate me today. He doesn't love me. He doesn't accept me. And on and on the roller coaster ride goes. Good day, bad day. But here's the thing. The truth of the gospel, the truth of Romans 8.1 is that my acceptance is not based on my performance at all. Which is amazing because my performance is really terrible and so is yours. But my acceptance and your acceptance is actually based on Christ's perfect performance, his obedience on our behalf. So that even on a bad day, I can go to bed. And because of my faith in Jesus Christ, I can know with 100% certainty that God and I are good. That he's not sitting up there angry at me. Now, I may need to repent of some sins that have happened in that day in order to restore the intimacy of that relationship, but that relationship has not been severed. And I can put my head down on my pillow and I can go to sleep knowing God is for me, not against me. There is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do we really need anything else to celebrate and be thankful for this weekend? Let's pray together. Father God, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for the truth of your word the truth of Romans 8, 1. There is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What can we say this morning but hallelujah and thank you for the cross? Lord, I want to pray for those who are in Christ today, who are feeling under condemnation, they're feeling shame, they're feeling guilt. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would speak to each one of your children this morning. You would teach them or remind them of the truth that by faith in your Son, they are righteous. They have been washed clean and they're not a prisoner to shame and guilt and condemnation, that they are free in you, Jesus. And for those here who may not be in Christ, I ask that the truth of your word your goodness, your gospel would penetrate their hearts deeply. Would you draw them to salvation today so that they can know, they can experience 100% with certainty forgiveness of their sins, no more condemnation, a restored relationship with you, God. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to remember the truth of who you are today. And that as a result, we would pour out our thanksgiving and praise to you. I ask this in Jesus' name.
Amen.